You're listening to The Nerve, an English at WIT podcast. In this episode, we are talking all things Imagine, the Imagine Arts Festival, um, which also incorporates the John Dwyer Trad Weekend and Waterford Writers Weekend. And joining me in studio are Jane Keane, chairperson of the Imagine Arts Festival Committee. And the festival kicked off last Friday, the 18th, and will run until Sunday, the 27th of October. Jane is going to tell us all about what we can look forward to in the festival. And two of my English colleagues, Dr. Una Keeley and Dr. Fiona Ennis, are also here. They're going to tell us about their event entitled Impossible Situations, Waterford Women Writing on Love and Loss, which takes place on Friday, the 25th of October at 5pm in the Central Library. So welcome, ladies. Thank you, Jenny. Hello, everybody. Thank you, Jenny. And great to have you all here. It's fantastic. Um, Jane, can I come to you first? Because I don't, I don't know you at all, Jane, and it was nice to meet you this morning. Um, but I was just wondering, how did you get involved in the committee? How did you find yourself in this situation? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually did once have a, a full-time paid job. And uh, when I retired from it, um, now I had always gone to the events in Imagine Arts Festival. And since we moved to um, Waterford, or near Waterford, in 1980 from England, we uh, participated in as many things as we could. So it was almost like a natural progression um, when looking at committee work, which I vowed I'd never do again when mm. I left work, um, uh, I started on the committee. And uh, last year, uh, Dr Nick Banks, who was the chairperson, um, was retiring from the chair after 16 years. Uh, and this is the 19th year of the festival. So he suggested to me that I might like to do it, and I said I would. Fantastic. An easy progression. And you mentioned as well that your husband is Mark Roper, who I'm sure a lot of people will know. Um, so the two of you are obviously a tour de force in Waterford, bringing, bringing very important cultural events to the people, I think. Well, I don't know so much about a tour de force. Don't play it down, but, uh, I mean, you could say nepotism, because Mark did a thing in, in St. Patrick's Gateway on Friday night with David Power and uh, two Shano singers, which was very successful Great. and quite a unique event. Um but no, from my point of view, it's more a, a general interest in the arts and also uh, being a slightly bossy person. I quite like being chair of a committee. Yeah. Good organiser, Jean. Good <laughs> I don't know about the organisation part of it. <laughs> That's more down to Nora Boland. And we were, yes, Nora is a and big shout out to Nora, who is fantastic. And I the know rest Nora. of the committee yeah. who are yeah. marvellous. Here, here. And, here, here. you know, yeah. Ollie Breslin, mainly, who, of course, worked the place almost alone absolutely yeah, for 16 years and I mean there's, we were just talking about what a great mix of events there are in mm -hmm. festival this year really fantastic what was your aim for the festival did you have a particular aim for it this year That something that you wanted to achieve or it's interesting because the the Writers Weekend uh, sort of stands alone although it's within the Imagine Festival and um, we'd been looking at the festival over a number of years and also looking at the audience feedback now, um, being a multidisciplinary, fest multidisciplinary festival, um, it can be quite difficult to sift out what uh, we need or want on the programme. And in the past, people have said that quite often there were too many uh, things on the programme. It may be that there were sometimes three or four events on at a certain time mm. on a certain evening and people couldn't get, actually get to them. Mm. So one of the practical aims this year was to streamline the festival. Um, we looked at other uh, organisations and did notice that maybe they had one or two uh, 
acts on it at, at, pardon me, at night or during the day. And so we have moved from being a 10-day festival uh, to actually a five-day festival for the bulk of it. Mm. The John Dwyer weekend comes worse first, but we have nothing on the Monday and Tuesday. And then we move on Wednesday, this Wednesday, the 24th, into the Imagine Festival incorporating the Writers Weekend. I think that's a great idea because sometimes too much choice is actually overwhelming. I know from my own perspective. Um, So I think that idea of streamlining is probably a really Mm. valuable one. And and also for committee members who are, you know, giving up their time, I'm sure that was a welcome relief in in many ways. It is. uh, It's a, well, we're a voluntary committee, obviously. Um, And the streamlining also, it was a natural progression into us thinking that sometimes what we'd much prefer would be the quality aspect than quantity. Mm. And uh, Imagine's aim has always been to try to bring within financial constraints and every other constraint, to try to bring um, arts to the people of the South East that we wouldn't necessarily be able to access without travelling. Absolutely. Um, further in Ireland or nationally or internationally. Mm. And the other main aim is to try to um, incorporate local talent and national talent and international talent if we can possibly do the three together. Yeah. Um, so that would be the, the main aim, really. Absolutely. And just to talk about a bit of local talent, mm-hmm. um, to bring you over to Una Keeley here, who is part at Una and Fiona, my esteemed colleagues. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. My far superior you, And likewise, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> are running this event, Impossible Situations. I want to ask you, Una, I have a feeling that you came up with that title. Did you come up with that title? Is that it? That is, I, did. I liked it. So tell us a little bit about the title of the event. It was um, actually the title was <laughs> devised by Sinead O'Higgins and Fiona and myself as we sat in the library um, in Lady Lane during the summer. We had an idea, Fiona and I, that we would really like to join forces um, together. And I suppose because I know Fiona won't say it, I really wanted um, to celebrate Fiona's wonderful achievement at having won the Molly Keane Short Story uh, Award. Yes, We're so lucky in WIT to have somebody of Fiona's standing, of her expertise teaching our undergraduates, somebody who's not only an academic, but an expert um, in creative writing. So... Part of the I, of what Fiona and I wanted to do was to get together um, to kind of share the, a little bit of the work that we do here in WIT within the BA Arts degree. And Teresa Devi has written, who, as you know, um, has I, I've done a lot of work in terms of research on Teresa Devi's work, but she's primarily known as a playwright. Mm. But she had also written some short stories, which was not uncommon. A lot of people, aspiring writers, started off Mm -hmm. writing short stories, which were published. And I thought, well, here's a great opportunity to to read with Fiona and to read a short story by D.V. And we had this, so we both had stories that we had decided to read and we were then trying to look at those two stories and figure out what was the connection between them and I don't quite know how the impossible situations came about so <laughs> <laughs> you like to take that story 
<laughs> Are you any the wiser, Fiona? What, what the hell is this impossible situations crack? <laughs> oh, I think yeah, I think it was it was just about the way in which people are trying to navigate loss and the yeah. way it's so um, it's so much part of of so many people's lives, and that it, when people are in the throes of um, of any form of loss, that they see the situation as impossible. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so it's dealing with relationships in very different ways within the stories, um, and also dealing with that conception of loss, which is. Um, which is, I suppose, just, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I suppose speaks to so much of literature. But um, I think if there's loss within a piece of work, a piece of fiction or any piece of literature, it really resonates um, for people. And it's something that's uh, very palpable. And if you um, can get people to feel, um, you know, I think that's that's uh, that's something that's good in literature. And yeah. tell us a little bit, will you would you be able to synopsize your story? So we don't want to give anything away. No okay, spoilers, no obviously. Spoilers. So your fantastic story, Debt, is the story that you're going to read. You're, I presume you're going to read the entire story. I'll read the entire story. Yeah. Um, it's only 2000 words anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, so essentially, the story begins um, with um, with a a hearse uh, without a coffin uh, parked up um, alongside a, a desolate beach. Um, and I suppose the, the readers or listeners uh, quickly kind of understand that there is a young undertaker and an older undertaker um, and that the, the young person, the young man, um, really doesn't want to bury this particular person that his father has taken on uh, the burial of. And uh, so he doesn't want to bury this person, but also um, the wider community doesn't want um, doesn't want them to bury this person either, uh, and so as the story unfolds, you get to understand why that is. Yeah, Sounds and it was great. just I mean we were all we were all I felt like I'd won that prize. Uh, we all did. <laughs> we take such pride in you. Fiona. We do, Fiona. So much. <laughs> and it is what happens. It's a very exciting thing, you know, to be able to to go and and read this. And I think you know for people maybe who hadn't come across it before to now be able to hear it. So I'm really hoping people. Will go along on Friday the 25th and, and see you in action at 5pm. Um, and can you tell us a little bit like about that, you know, your, your writing process? Because, I mean, you are a very busy person and I know that you carve out the time to do this, don't you? Oh, just in scraps. Um, like I remember um, reading uh, what Sinead Gleeson had to say about writing because she, she felt she was juggling a whole lot of things when she was writing and she said, um, you know, she tries to write just in scraps and, and bit by bit, you know, those scraps come together. So I suppose bit by bit you can kind of stitch scraps together as such. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose life is busy for me as a, as a working mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just trying to carve out the time is tricky because often I suppose you're tired in that. But it's something that I kind of want to do for myself, I suppose. Yeah. It's something I really enjoy doing. So, uh, yeah, try to make the space uh, when I can. Yes, and yeah. it's great. It's just fantastic to see it come to fruition like this. And do you, like, is, is fiction the thing that you prefer to write do you write I mean obviously your dad is John Ennis who is a poet um, so do you do you write poetry I know when I was growing up my sister was a runner and people used to say do you run like your sister and I used to go <laughs> oh my god if one more person asked me that. And I went the other way I was practically you know barely moved for about 15 years so um, <laughs> I've written uh, maybe just a handful of poems um, and it kind of comes tends to come out of a different space than mm. the fiction. Um, I, when I write poetry, it tends to come kind of relatively kind of quickly, almost like kind of a hot flash or something and then kind of rework it afterwards. It tends to be quite political, polemical work, actually. Um, but I've just written a little poetry. I, my kind of main focus in terms of creative writing really is fiction. Mm. Um, and that's kind of for me a different kind of a process. Not so much the 
hot flash of anything really. Yeah. <laughs> That's just laborious work. Steady trudge. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, the steady trudge is the thing that we continue, we consistently, you know, tell our students. It's, yeah. it's all yeah. about the That's steady right. trudge, isn't it? Yeah. And Una, like speaking of the steady, steady trudge, I mean, championing Teresa Devi is is your lovely steady trudge in a way yes. um, and something that is just that has enriched all of our lives too mm-hmm. I think but you know tell us a little bit about her short stories is there you know I, I presume because I, I don't know that much about Teresa well, Devi but what I do know is so, you know she's a very interesting woman Yes and I suppose just listening to Fiona there it was always so helpful to help me formulate my own thoughts um, Devi spent her life writing about loss in terms of loss of power often and there's also the aspects of emotional loss within Devi's work Mm. which are deeply deeply felt by not just her women characters but her men characters as well and her preoccupation I suppose as a writer was to explore that sense of how does one cope with a life and negotiate the different losses within that life. So that's, I suppose, what DV's preoccupation is as a dramatist. And as I said earlier, I didn't know very much about her short stories. And in fact, when I read other wonderful uh, critics of DV, I haven't read anything about what they think mm-hmm. of her short stories either. So I thought, OK, there's an opportunity mm-hmm. to kind of do some work there. So Devi has seven stories, seven short stories written in the 40s and in the 30s. Um, I haven't read them all. Um, I've read about five of those. They're difficult to get. I was just going to ask, mm-hmm. how did you get them? I mean, um, you the know, ones that I've read, I've access them through the Teresa DV archive. Um, That's in Maynooth. That's in Maynooth, Mm. but they do have an online archive and actually some of the short stories are available in full um, on the uh, online on the archive, oh. so you can get them there. And John and Potter's can, can stories. Can anybody get them there? Anybody can get them there. Gosh, because I went yeah. looking for them and I was looking at the archive, but I couldn't figure. That's where I to go. Maybe I just you didn't. just need to spend a little bit of time, I kind need of to know how to do it, trying <laughs> to get through that that work in the yeah. archive. But I have to say, um, the the archive and the uh, the uh, the online facility and the archive librarians in Maynooth have been so helpful to to me and others in terms of DV work. They're they're just absolutely fantastic and the team there in the John Russell Library is, is superb. So I, I suppose just a, a little... I was doing some thinking about the stories and one of the things that um, really struck me about DV's work, short stories, is that we can see in her short stories the thematic concerns that come out then in the plays and we can also see a really keen eye on detail that allows you to see characters in your mind's eye in this way that I think also anticipates the stage directions that DV presents in her drama. So I'll give you a little flavour of this. This is an excerpt here from a story called Brian of the Boars. It's it's a really interesting story because it's very political. Talks about the Boer War, but also finishes up um, talking, glorifying 
the sacrifice of war mm. and 1916, which is really just completely yeah. unexpected when wow. you think about DV, mm-hmm. who who moved away very much from that kind of <clears throat> overt nationalism political writing. Um, but this is how she describes Brian. He's a gardener. The story is a first person narrative um, from a woman, but she's remembering her childhood. So this is how she describes Brian. A beard of bushy magnificence, which hid the greater part of his face from my upward gaze and two red patches on his face, not far beneath those eyes. This is my first recollection of Brian. With a joy that was also a fear, I accepted his offer of a jump to the ceiling and down again. And she mm-hmm. says here, the delight of being raised between those two strong, hairy hands, the exquisite <laughs> fear of it, the dread of falling on the flags now so very far beneath, the ticklish feeling as a descent was started and finally the mixture of relief and regret on once more touching the floor. Oh, fabulous. Mm. I can so, see him. So we can see him yeah. and we can see how huge he is to this little girl yes. and that idea of being thrown up in the mm. air. You know, as a child, I remember that. Mm. And as a parent, I remember, I I love that idea of whooshing the child up into the air. So we have this beautiful feeling of the description of this child and his hairy hands. (laughs) It's just wonderful. Um, And interesting what we have later on in this story also is Brian is talking about the... um, uh, uh, it just makes a reference to a marriage that has happened within the <coughs> countryside. And he says, um, there was many, I can't find the quote now in my mind, there was many a good woman wasted herself on a, on a, on a scoundrel or something like that. <laughs> so we have this sense of, and it's just a complete remark apropos of nothing within the story. But Brian turns around and says, actually, that house that you think is so great, that was the the woman's house. The man married into this. And he says, and the house is not the less for being the woman's house. Mm. There's many a good woman wasted herself in in a kind of a loveless marriage. Mm. And so we just have this story, which is about something else entirely, mm. just having this little reference by this really interesting character of Brian, who you don't expect to be a feminist. <laughs> so there's interesting things in the stories we have in John Potter's story, um, the story of mm. it's this is John Potter's story is told from the perspective of John Potter, but he's relating his experience of loving a girl called Molly and Molly of course loves somebody else and interestingly that somebody else happens to be a young seminarian um, (laughs) called Ignatius and we have this interesting unfolding of what happens when two, when three people are in love and it it doesn't quite work mm-hmm. out at all and it doesn't work 
in any way that we think it might. So there's a lovely twist at the end now. It's a bit longer. I I don't know whether I'm going to be able to get to read the whole story, but the great thing about John Potter's story and one of the reasons why I picked it is because it is available online. So what we might do on Friday is give a teaser. Oh, so yeah, people no, can no, go no, home then and read the rest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Seriously unfair. <laughs> but of course, Fantastic. it's to feed in with that idea um, of the Writers' Weekend mm. to engender that love of literature mm, and to say, go away and have a read mm-hmm. and, and have yes. a think. And mm. we're so, so delighted to be part of, of the weekend and hugely, hugely privileged and proud to be part of Imagine and Ollie Breslin has done tremendous work mm-hmm. uh, um, over so many years. Yes, yeah. He has been a tireless campaigner for the arts in Waterford and we're very, very lucky mm. to have Ollie um, working so hard for, for Waterford. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there, there are so many other um, just events that caught my eye. Um, so just to mention a couple of them in the in the Waterford Writers Weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I love, this one is, is one that I just jumped out at me straight away the dystopian fiction feminism yes. and creativity I'm going to one. that yes with Sarah Clancy and she is such an interesting um, poet herself yes, she is really yeah she's fascinating and, and she's such a, a campaigner and she's you know really involved with the movement for asylum seekers in Ireland and you know just the work that she's done is, is incredible but that sounds like a fantastic a fantastic conversation she's going to be talking to um, Sarah Davis Goff, who who is the co-founder of Tramp, Tramp Press, yeah, yeah, um, we're so press. lucky to be able to hear that. That is, that yeah. is an exciting yeah, event, and um, that's on the Sunday. So that's on the last day of the festival. Um, and and the, when you finish that, Jenny, you can go straight over to the vintage tea rooms and mm-hmm. listen to our friend and colleague Richard Hayes yes, talking absolutely. to Megan and, and Megan, Jim yes. Nolan. Yes, yes, which is also going to be brilliant. It's yeah. a great Great-y. discussion. Yeah. yeah, father and daughter team mm. um, and Richard seems to know them very well so he'll be able to like really <laughs> get get a good good chat out of them I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and do you know what else I love as well in, in the Waterford Writers um, Festival is, you know, the, the kind of workshops and, and the talks on, on kind of getting published and the space yeah. to kind of look at your own writing mm-hmm. and, and also those little spaces of, of pockets of time where you can go and read in quiet spaces. All those things yeah, are lovely. We, we I felt that was really important because um, writers get together for short times, maybe two days, three nights at the most. Yeah. Um, a lot of that time is taken up in workshops and listening to readings. But quite often they just might like to meet together quietly or read or write quietly and mm. that's why we've used the um, vintage tea rooms mm. as a special yeah. place and it's got a very nice atmosphere lovely and yeah. it, it, it calms you down and you can go in there and, and you can buy cake there we have to buy cake <laughs> you can do the chatty bit in the tea room and the best the rest in the library room <laughs> yes how lovely we have is to that <laughs> It's fantastic. Um, and Jane, I'm sure there's, you know, there's lots of other, I know we've been really focused on the Waterford Writers yeah, again, yeah. but, you know, what are the key things that you would love people to go and see during the course of the festival? Maybe other things that you're really keen to promote? Because I'm sure, you know, part of the problem as well is is getting the word out there, isn't it? When you have a committee who is, you know, busy in other ways and who has other commitments and everything, you know, I know as from being part of a, a committee myself and um, Waterford Film for All where you know part of the problem mm-hmm. is really getting people to know that this stuff is on in the first place you know so yes, yeah, yeah. So now's your opportunity take the stage oh, Jane what would it. you like Don't to tell us about, about that <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean I was very pleased to hear people say when we came in earlier on that it was uh, they thought it was such a good programme 
because with limited means this year and streamlining it, it is very difficult to mm. actually fit things together. But um, I think the particular things that I would choose uh, were... I going to imagine for the first time would be um, on a Thursday the 24th in the St. Patrick's Gateway at 8 o'clock would be Honor Heffernan and uh, Trevor Knight. That looks really interesting. It's really it's going to be really interesting. We're trying to set it up as a sort of um, a speakeasy or, a, or at least a cabaret style uh, evening and there's cheese and wine courtesy of Ardkeen Stores which is great. Lovely. And um, the, the fascinating thing about it is that um, it's going to be their work Trevor and Honor's work is based on Dorothy Parker yes so it's going to be I think sort of bittersweet and funny and um, it's about the songs apparently are around creating um, sort of dream moments from her psyche and images of her life as a as a celebrity in New York and as a civil rights activist, which a lot of people didn't know about. So I think that's going to be particularly interesting. Where did you say that was on? It's on in St. Patrick's Gateway at 8 o'clock. Now that's 18 euros and booking fee. We try to keep, you may have noticed, the prices as low as we possibly can Mm. and imagine. Because that's one of the things that um, attracts people to the arts. We don't want always to be going to. We can't afford to go to things that are very expensive. The majority of the population can't do that. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of free events in uh, Imagine as so usual. So many free events. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And uh, a lot of the writers weekend stuff is is um, free. Um, so that would be a great night. And also uh, another fascinating um, uh, gig is on Saturday uh, at eight o'clock in St. Patrick's, Saturday 26th, and that's Kit Philippa. And um, they were raised on classical music, mm. and um, the strong the songs are. Um, I don't really understand what it is. It says it's uh, based on digital slate or slate, if anybody knows what that is. But I'm sure it's really interesting. <laughs> That's a good reason to go. But the amazing thing is that uh, <laughs> they're also an organ scholar and um, play piano, guitar, clarinet, prayer bowl and bicycle wheel. <laughs> wow. And um, uh, Kit uh, won the single of the year by public vote at the Northern Ireland Music Prize last year for their single Human. And... Um, in the BBC Six Music, uh, Marianne Hobbs writes that they're extraordinary and I think they're a shining future star. Wow. So we're very lucky to have Kit Philippa coming. And they're on in St. Patrick's Gateway at 8 o'clock um, on Saturday the 26th, 15 euros. Wow, um, that's fantastic value. Yeah, yeah. And another, now the, the one thing about Imagine that we try to do, um, and... I think some people find it difficult. We don't have a box office and we don't have an office. We we don't really even have a room, but we've got a lot of car boots and uh, the library being very kind to give us space um, in their, their room for our administrator, uh, Jeff. And, um, but Imagine has always tried to do art in unexpected places. Um, we did it in the swimming pool in Kilbarry. Yes. We did it in a... Very rec- successfully, that Very was successfully. A, yeah. We did it in a, a wrecked house next door to the parlour. Mm-hmm. Um, a beautiful Georgian place that was falling down. Now, we do have health and safety regulations, but um, I was a bit worried about that one sometimes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's past. But this year, uh, 
one of the main art in unexpected places is the 24 hours to dance oh, which was thought up by Ollie Breslin and um, what uh, is going to happen is that four professional dancers have been um, or it will be shown a venue on Tuesday uh, this is a secret location so none of us know where it is Ooh. and they're shown a venue on Tuesday the 22nd of October and on Wednesday the 23rd um, we will see the results of their improvisation. They've had 24 hours to uh, make the dance, sort out the music and work their way around the, um, the venue. The audience, of course, well, we're going to have to tell them where it is <laughs> as well. So um, the location will be revealed to the audience by email on Tuesday. Fantastic! It's very like um, and secret cinema. On social media. Mm, it you is. see that you know the secret cinema secret over in cinema. London, yeah. where they they, yeah. they do exactly that. It they is. put on these events, but yes. nobody knows where and nobody knows what it is. That's and you're right. just you get this email and you're told go here at seven pm. <laughs> and sometimes it's kind of you know there are a lot of um, extras there who are acting things out mm. or are dressed up you know according with the with whatever they're mm. they're putting on. But it sounds like you know it becomes this real cult thing where getting a ticket to this is gold dust. I love the idea of that. It's it's a great idea, isn't it? It is. The tickets are only ten euros as well, and um, that's so, worth it. Worth you know, a go. It, it's worthwhile. Absolutely, a go that yeah. really is. Yeah, it's great value. Um, very good value for money. Yeah, there's so much on. And that, the, 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 of course, on 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 Sunday, on the twenty seventh, which is the last night of the festival, we've got Kevin McAleer coming again <laughs> to St Patrick's Gateway. Um, and Fantastic and Dairy Girls. Yeah, he's oh, great. And I think that's probably helped him a lot. I I'd hope it'll so. help people to come along yeah. because um, I know people who are yoga teachers who are going along to this, even though they know <laughs> that he is calling himself the, um, I think he's called the island's biggest living llama, which is a complete <laughs> joke. And um, he's also uh, just been voted Ireland's humblest llama. Uh, Truth magazine, I think there's a touch of the Donald, Donald Trump's there somewhere. <laughs> The best possible way. In the best possible way. <laughs> that's fantastic, isn't it? Brilliant. So, so that's in St Patrick's at eight o'clock on the Sunday, the twenty seventh. Eighteen euros. Amazing! Booking. It is just—it's very exciting. Mm. Like, I mean, it, it's a kind of a, a festival that you know keeps going despite you know the fact that funding changes maybe mm-hmm. year on year or does, yeah. you know things happen people pull out or you know events you know just the, the nature of life yeah. and and this is a festival that keeps plugging it is the little festival that could well, it's brilliant the people of Waterford and the businesses of Waterford yes, help us a huge amount they really and of do. course the city council who have really saved our bacon this year you know as usual they've been generous with us they've given us a grant um, we didn't get arts council funding this year but we're hoping we'll get it again next year mm. but um it's, it means that we've actually looked very carefully at what we can offer and we're very proud of the programme that we're putting on under those constraints. Absolutely. We hope everybody enjoys it. Well, I'm sure they will. I think it's really something to look forward to and I'm very excited on all of our behalfs, you know, and it's okay. great. It's something that's brilliant to be able to even, you know, to, to offer this podcast hopefully out to the students and let them know what's going on in the vicinity um, and also with our own staff you know mm, um, so we're hoping that maybe a few we'll get a few bums on seats a few student bums on seats for that as well um, 
Is there anything else that we need to cover about your event? Have we talked about it enough, Fiona? Oh, I, I think we have. I think um, Kat Hogan has done a fantastic yes, job. Yes, she's absolutely. She's been wonderful. Right as weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we mentioned her off air, but we didn't mention her. Yeah, yeah. tell us yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think we were hoping Kat might actually make it on the podcast, but she's she was busy. Unfortunately, she couldn't make it. Yes, yeah. 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 She's really curated a fantastic um, festival. Like when I saw the lineup. Um, I was I was really thrilled because uh, one of my favourite writers actually is is um, is on the the festival list. So Wendy Erskine, um, mm. the Belfast writer, and I had actually been toying with the idea of actually travelling um, to hear her read at another festival um, up the country. Isn't that um, and then I saw the line for Water Writers Weekend. I said, "This is fantastic! I just have to trip into town now, um, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. be able to hear one of my favourite writers, which is which is fantastic." Um, and also um, to give local writers the space is fantastic. Megan yeah. Nolan. Um, you know, um, I'd say she's really going to be someone to watch out for in the future. She's just landed a two book deal. I remember reading an article of hers in The Guardian um, a while back. Um, I wasn't familiar with 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 her writing before mm-hmm. that, but she wrote an article about um, her third level experience. And that it was, was really it was, oh, it was remarkable. It was wasn't remarkable. It, yes, it was it so was. moving mm-hmm. and yeah. so beautifully written. And it's courageous so, so girl. Mm-hmm. Really courageous just remind woman. us about that, Fiona, because just I think that is such an interesting um, tale that she told, and it was yeah. about being a student at Trinity. She wasn't told, it? Mm-hmm. She told us um, she um, had a, a quite a kind of a negative experience um, at Trinity. She got. Um, I would think um, as a lecturer, a very ill-judged remark um, on an assignment um, that was um, mm. not positive. Um, and um, and she took it very much to heart. Um, as one does. As one does. Course, does. And, and that's yeah. why I suppose it's so important that um, lecturers and professors um, bear in mind that there is a person at the end of the feedback. Mm. It's a good mm. reminder for us. Yeah, yeah it's a very yeah. good reminder. Um, and she found the whole experience crushing because... It seemed to me certainly that prior to that she had confidence in a writer as well she might. She's a fantastic writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I suppose probably it was, um, you know, it was it did deeply affect her because if you have confidence in a capacity and it's undermined in, in such a kind of a, a nasty way, I would have thought actually the comment was actually nasty. Um, and it, it affected then her experience of Trinity and, um, and, uh, and meant that she ended up dropping out. That's mm-hmm. awful. I mean, yeah. isn't, that, isn't that awful? I mean, when you look at when you, when you One look remark. At her, yeah. Yeah. Well, but mark. I suppose what is really important to to kind of to consider is that that wasn't the right place for her. She found the right mm, place. She for did. Her. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a third level education is not the be all and the end no, all of no, anybody. Not, yeah. And we know that. And there's mm. loads of different routes into your own creative um, life and into your own uh, to reach your own creative potential and mm-hmm. I think she's really proven that and part of you know I suppose part of what we're trying to do in the Performing the Region project in, in WIT is to celebrate those writers from the southeast whose position might be um, might have been affected because they weren't in the right group of people or they didn't get they didn't write in the way that other writers um, or other people thought they should write and uh, you know a lot of that approach to reconsidering writing um, is really important when we consider the the work of somebody like Devi or somebody like (coughs) Megan Nolan actually Mm -hmm. and people who were writing outside of um, conventions Mm -hmm. and people who are challenging 
and bravely challenging those conventions. So, And it's so brilliant that she is writing. That's the yes. thing. I mean, you know, at least that was not the end of that potential, you know, isn't Absolutely, it? Fantastic. Yeah. And it's just great to see that, that, that this she's enjoying this now, this newfound kind of success, this new point in her life. Where she's got taken on by yeah. Jonathan Cape, hasn't she? Which yeah. is I mean, how? Yeah. 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 Don't get much better than that. No, it really it's doesn't. Absolutely delighted. From yeah. Her, yeah. So it's great, great um, local success, really. And, and just fantastic, I think, you know, local pride in what yeah. is going on here in Imagine. And so we've got Jim's play coming on next month as well. Absolutely. Right. Hopefully yeah. we'll have a future podcast on that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, we have one of the actors living out by us actually at the moment. So, um, right. Well, look, on that note, I think we have to wrap up, you know. Oh, but, right. thank you. Jane, thank you so much for coming in well, to join you. us. Thank you, enjoyed it. Yeah, you'll have to come again another time. And oh, Fiona, <laughs> Fiona and Una, thanks, thanks so much for joining me. And Best to look at your fantastic event. Can't wait. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny.